Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Did somebody say playoffs? The NBA, MLB, and NHL are in full swing, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. My original futures pick in the NBA for an NBA championship, the Clippers, that's still looking like a pretty good bet. They're, they're in very good shape moving forward. Uh, the Lakers, not a bad bet either. A real sleeper at this moment is probably the Miami Heat. They look great. Very few people are picking them to make the finals, much less uh, win a championship. So that would be a, a serious futures bet with big upside. So take full advantage of sports being back and get in on the action with hundreds of odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, welcome to another version, uh, well, actually a special, a special version of Bill Rodenor Sports, um, coming to you to a still undisclosed location in uh, Manhattan, northern Manhattan, uh, Harlem, USA, but I'm not telling you where, uh, and uh, holding it down with my friend, my co-host, the great Jamal Murf- Murphy, not Murray, Murphy. That's right. I I appreciate that, Bill. You know, Um, everything's great here in Brooklyn. Uh, Glad to be on. And uh, we got some big news I hear. Yeah, yeah. We got some breaking news here. Um, Today, uh, there's uh, a new organization that is announcing its launch today. It's called the Advancement of Black Sports. ABIS is uh, launching today. And um, we've got two of the... uh, as founders and organizers of ABIS, uh, the great uh, Gary Charles, um, who is a, the uh, CEO of uh, ABIS, somebody I've known for quite a while, and uh, also the uh, vice president of baseball for ABIS, uh, Marquise Bo, Bo Porter, um, who uh, I've actually known for a while. I think this may be the first time in a long time uh, Thank you. Both of us have, have spoken. Anyway, I'd like to welcome you guys to the show. Uh, welcome, Bo, and uh, uh, welcome, Gary. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. And yeah. you too. You too, Jamal. Murray. Jamal Murray. Murray. <laughs> after, hey. after a great game last Thank night you. in the bubble, Jamal Murray gets to get on radio. That's right. And, that's right. Uh, I, had, I had a couple big games. Hot. <laughs> uh, hey, I want to uh, I want I want to really get into this breaking news and today. Yeah, I'm glad you guys have come on the show to talk about ABIS. You got really uh, a, a really marquee uh, uh, lineup of, of folks uh, on, on on you know who, who are involved. Uh, but before we get into that, because both of you have been um, so involved, I just want to get your Thoughts. What do you guys think about um, uh, 
what you've seen so far down uh, in, in the bubble? Are you guys, are you guys uh, impressed by, by what you've seen? Maybe start with you, Gary. Sure. Uh, well, first of all, Bill, I, I, uh, I haven't seen you in a while. Uh, I'm not sure right now if you're under the witness protection program because no one seems to know where you're at these days, okay? <laughs> but uh, we're going to protect your identity, all right, because we love you. We want you to hang around, all right? So that's number one. Uh, as far as the bubble, I will say I've been uh, pleasantly surprised. And I guess that's what, what, around $176 million can do? I am I am surprised because these guys I think sometimes we forget uh, are young. They're young to be able to keep these guys uh, to stay in one place, you know, beside Lou Williams, but to stay in one place for that amount of time, uh, I think is astounding um, and and dedication. So I, I'm impressed. I'm extremely impressed. And I'll I'll, I'll double down on that Gary and Bill and just speak to, you know, from a baseball standpoint, you look at the outbreaks in which we had when the season first started, I commend the NBA for what they were able to pull off hats off to the commissioner and to the players. They've done a tremendous job of, of getting basketball back off the mat um, in a, in a very productive way. You look at the games. I think they did a great job of, of salvaging the season as it relates to what this country was looking at. And entertainment was obviously being missed by everyone. And, and basketball has been a shining light during this time. I think that the players have also used their platform the right way. I think that these guys have been, you know, more vocal about their desires of what they want to see um, happen in our country. And I commend the NBA for giving them that platform and giving them a voice. Why, why don't we, uh, there's a lot to unpack here about, you know, the passing of Coach Thompson, the other thing, but, but Gary, why don't you take, tell us about um, the advancement of Blacks in sports? I mean, that's why we're here this morning. Tell me uh, about the organization, how it came about, and, and what its intention is. So, uh, you know, watching the, the George Floyd um, situation, I felt that I was watching uh, a lynching. I could not believe uh, what I was really seeing on TV. And obviously it affected every single one of us. And it really uh, affected me in ways that maybe I hadn't thought about before. But, you know, like I tell people all the time, it's not enough to keep talking to talk. You have to be able to walk the walk. So I put out a, a video, you know, challenging uh, everyone. And I even made a statement to, to white people that I understand you're uncomfortable with the protest and everything else, but as Blacks, we're uncomfortable every single day. And I understand that um, no one is, is, is approving of burning, buildings being burned, but your ancestors had no issue in watching Black Wall Street, you know, get burned, you know, to the ground or Rosewood in Florida. So I was making, you know, these comments about, about those things. And as I said to the white coach, I said, white coaches, uh, your silence is coming out extremely loud, and I'm watching it. And then I challenged us as uh, black grassroots coaches, like, what are we going to do about it? Because it's all about economics. Well, you know, it's time for us to do something. And that spurred me to, uh, to, to reach out to a close friend of mine, Dave Lato, uh, the head coach of the Paul. I reached out to uh, Leonard Hamilton, head coach of uh, uh, Florida State. 
Then I reached out to uh, some of the top grassroots coaches in America, represented by Nike, Adidas, and Unarmor. Uh, Keith Stevens out of D.C., uh, Pato out of uh, 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 Compton, um, L.A., uh, and so on. And I said, hey, guys, let's have a Zoom call. Let's discuss some of these issues going on and what can we do about it. How can we start helping our black coaches? Okay, because we're what we're doing is by not helping, we're making them disappear, which in turn is gonna affect some of you guys from getting a job later on. They all agreed. We talked, we argued. Uh, and then I, I asked uh, uh, Coach Hamilton to reach out to Vivian Stringer, uh, who's the, the head coach of Rutgers, a Hall of Famer, because I felt we need to get the women involved. So he did. So Coach Stringer came on and asked Coach Later to reach out to Dawn Staley, who won a national championship, a Hall of Famer, a legend, and she got up. And Coach Stringer asked me to reach out to another young lady named uh, Felicia Hall Allen, which I did, which was just amazing. And it just opened up, opened up another avenue. Uh, and, 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 and Felicia was, was the person who reached out to Bo. Um, so through that process, I said to myself, it's not just about basketball. It's not just about football. It's about every single sport. Uh, every single which way we have been hurt. And when I say we, I mean the black community. We have been divided and conquered for 400 years. And some of it is our fault because we have allowed it. So now I felt that we need to reach out to track, uh, football, and other sports, which we have done. And created uh, these different departments. And, um, and here we are. Mm. Uh, again, uh, and, and both, uh, what was your involvement in this? How did you, how did you come on board? I came on, I came on board, as Gary said, Felicia Hall um, and C. Vivian Stringer were both at the University of Iowa when I was a student athlete at the University of Iowa. And Felicia, she reached out to me um, after meeting with Gary and the other team members a couple times and just basically wanted to explain to me what was going on, the movement in which they were trying to make. And I immediately got back to her because this is something that is near and dear to my heart. You know, growing up in Newark, New Jersey and witnessing, you know, everything that has basically, you know, been the demise, you know, of black people, the systemic racism that, that is surrounding, you know, our communities. I've always been one who, I've looked at myself as a voice for the voiceless. So when Gary and Felicia reached out to me, it was, it was pretty much in complete alignment with, with my core being and, and how I feel like I can pay my blessings forward as you, as you look at everything that's going on in our country. And, you know, to me, the untraveled eye can't see, you know, ears that don't listen can't hear, and a heart that is not open can't receive. So to truly understand, you know, what black people is trying to express, we're going to need people to open your eyes to our reality, listen to our continuous cry for equality, and open your mind and open your heart to being the hope. And when I say hope, that is helping other people excel to the hope that we all want in this country. And I've said this before, when you look at racism and inequality, it is not a black problem. It is a humanity problem. Because at the end of the day, all we want as black people is to be basically treated the way everybody else wants to be treated. 
And whether you are white or whether you are Hispanic or whether you are Asian, the race, you know, it, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. It comes down to if you're going to start a race, we all want to start at the same line and let the best man or woman win. But when you look at our country, that just has not been the case. So when you look at ABIS, our mission is pretty clear. We're, we're here to actually advance the opportunities for blacks, and we're just using sports as the hook. I mean, we all know that sports is a capitalistic enterprise. And at the end of the day, there are so many things that flow through sports that blacks just have not been given equal opportunity. You know, obviously, you have, you have people from different sports involved. Um, is, it a, is it a situation where you feel like all sports have the same the same issues it's prevalent through each and every sport or are there some sports that you feel have more challenges than others? How do you reconcile that? Well, well, here's the situation, right? As blacks in general, we have the same issues. So for the most part in sports, it's the same issues. There's a couple of them that might be different. So we're learning that, but we need to come together because there's strength in numbers. We need to be unified to try to resolve some of these issues, okay? We have uh, 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 watched way too long all the things that's been going on. We needed to do something about it. We need to come together. And it's amazing to me how the people who have decided to be part of this, whether it's Tracy McGrady, whether it's Chuck D, whether it's, you know, uh, civil rights attorney Brent Crump, whether it's Michael Hausfeld who won the NIL uh, case against the NCA for Ed O'Bannon, um, you know, all these people who are coming on, who are all saying, wow, um, we need to do something about that. So I, I am, I have purposely reached out to certain people. It wasn't by accident, okay? Because we needed different people to speak different languages, including like the Dr. Sloman out of North Carolina, Dr. Richard Lapchick, because they speak about facts. They speak about data. So when we discuss certain things, we can go to them and get the data so we can back up you know, what we're saying. You start to look at the different sports and Gary make the point that it's the same issues in different sports. I will also add that in some sports, it's just more glaring. Um, and you can look at, you know, obviously baseball. It is a little bit more glaring than it would be in football and basketball. And I think that that starts with the number of blacks that participate in those sports. I think his feed went out. Uh, yeah, but but as he as he was saying, Bo has been doing a great job in educating us about the issues in in baseball, which I was like, whoa, uh, because sometimes, like a lot of us, we concentrate on what we know, without realizing some of the situation in other places. We knew there were problems, but I don't think we we know just how big of a problem you know it is. So you know. Our motto with, uh, with uh, uh, ABIS is that we want to be the voice of racism in sports. But Bo, you could you know, finish your statement. Yeah, Bo, why don't you finish the yeah. talk? Yes, I don't, I, don't, I don't know where you guys got cut off at, but I was just saying that when you look at the different sports, obviously it would be different because of the participation of blacks within those particular sports. So in football and basketball, you're gonna have more, op more seemingly more opportunity 
for African-Americans because the participation number is greater than it would be in a sport like baseball where the, participa where the participation numbers are down across the board, whether you go to Little League all the way to the major leagues. And the question is, you look back to the, to the 80s, the early 80s, there was 22% African-Americans playing Major League Baseball. Well, if you look at the numbers now, it's down to 6.5%, I think it is, and that's a drastic decrease when you start to talk about advancements in our country. We're going backwards. And we have to answer the question of, one, why is that? And two, what are some actionable solutions that we can put in place that can help those numbers? Because at the, at the end of the day, when you look at sports, sports is an institution of higher learning. It's not about a kid playing Major League Baseball or NBA basketball or college football. It's, I mean, or, NBA, or NFL football. It's more the end game of everything that they're going to become. We all have played sports and we know the impact that sports have had on our lives. Even if it's just the opportunity to get a college education to actually change the whole narrative as it relates to your family and upbringing and where you come from. So these are all the things that from a, a standpoint of advancement of sports, sports is just a hook. This is about making it better for the generations that will come behind us. Let, let me ask uh, uh, you two a couple specifics. Um, you know, um, one of the things I've noticed over the years, uh, you know, I've, I've you know covered all these sports, but one thing that, that fascinates me is how that there's a multi-billion dollar, what I call invisible industry. You know, when you cover the Super Bowls or the Final Four, uh, forget the players on the court. But the further you get away from the players on the court, the wider and wider it becomes. The PR directors, stadium management, event management. There are like hundreds and hundreds of jobs uh, within the billion-dollar sports industry that Black folks are totally, maybe many don't even know about. They don't know about all the other jobs in the industry. Forget like, you know, coaching, general managers, things like that. You know, Bo, you work in baseball. Yeah, you know, you you go into a uh, a team, let's say the Arizona Arizona Diamondbacks, and it's the organization, the front office, the secretaries, the PR department, the advertising department, marketing, the digital market. I mean, we're not even in there. So I guess my question is, when you're talking about advancement sports and uh, advancement of blacks in sports, sports is this huge sprawling empire so uh how are you is that part of what this advancement means to 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 get into all elements of sport and i guess what is our leverage you know in other words nobody gives up anything else without a struggle so is that what you mean by the entire industry but and what's the leverage absolutely uh bill uh, one of the things that we're we're trying to create is an internship for the student athletes that after they graduate, they don't make it in, 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 in whatever sport they're in because most of them think they're gonna be pros and we all know that's not accurate. So we want them to be able to come back and, and work as internship to, to learn how to become an AD, learn how to become an administrator. Because part of the reason why we're not getting jobs is because we don't see us across that table you know, to get interviewed. So that's extremely important. Now, one of the things that we found out was that with the NCAA, um, they had 20 vendors for the for the, the final four event. 
20 vendors, not one of them was black. Why is that? You're telling me you can find a one black vendor? So we want to attack those things. So we, we've already uh, drafted a letter. We've actually already had Zoom calls with the Black Caucus uh, discussing this because again, until you point them out, people don't know. So we are, we are purposely uh, 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 getting all our facts together in regard to, you know, to certain things to make sure people see these things because we want to be able to say like, do you see what we see? Are you aware of this? So yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna make we're making a point of that. And I'll start by saying this: it comes down to relationships, and and Gary is absolutely right. That's why the internship program and the mentorship program is going to be so vital to the success of ABIS. And I will pose this question more so to the industry as a whole: there are many qualified black people to do all of those jobs. There are many qualified black people that the reason they don't get a seat at that table or they don't make it through those doors is because they just don't run in the same circles. And if you're not in that circle, it's almost like you're invisible. So our goal at ABIS is to find a seat at those tables, get into those circles, and then it's our job to make sure that we get our next generation into those circles and then because they will understand when, you, when we all look at our life and it does, I'm going to, I'm going to actually bottom line this, whether you're white, black, Chinese, Asian, it doesn't matter who you are. When you look at your life, none of us are where we're at if we didn't have the help of other people. So it's our job to make sure that we help the next generation. So now they feel that same responsibility to sustain that response, I mean, that movement moving forward, and they help the generations that come. But, you know, let, let, let's, let's stay on this thing. Uh, I, I asked you, what's the leverage? Uh, you saw in Orlando when the players, the NBA players said, we're not playing, all of a sudden everybody was all ears. <laughs> you know, so, okay, what do you, what do you want? Let's, you know. Here's, uh, here's what we talked about, uh, Bill. We have the oil. Why do we keep giving it right. away? Now, by that, what I mean is that as grassroots coaches, we're the one that's working out with these kids. We're the one that's advising. We can't force a kid to go somewhere, but we obviously have a lot of influence, the kids, the parents, and everything else. So what we have to do is, and Bo like to say this all the time, we have to change the narrative of the situation, explain to these kids there are other coaches out there you don't just have to go play for a white coach. So what we're saying, what we're saying is that we have to understand that we possess the oil. Okay. And people may not want to hear it that way, but that's just the bottom line. So what are we going to do about it? And that's why I'm challenging us because we have no problem in, we see the white coach coming in and telling them, Oh yeah, just go there. Why? Why do we do that to ourselves? So that's that's the leverage. I, I was just listening to a uh, conversation, an interview with John Calipari, and uh, you know the, the the white, the two white coverage. Oh man, you know he's made so much money for all these guys, and I was thinking of it. That's part of the problem. Is it's systemic that you've got Shashevsky, these these guys, and they it's incestuous. You know, uh, 
And what we often talk about black people, we own the oil, but the mind, the mindset of, you know, that's always been an issue with our people. You know, the, the brainwashing, the white man's ice is colder. Divide and conquer. Yeah, yeah. And well, divide and conquer, but just the brainwashing that that white people uh, are the ones where we're supposed to give our our, our bodies. We, we, you know, we go to Alabama and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I, I guess I get back to the same question. How will this organization, um, how will you crack through that? I, I look at the names you've got. You've got a, a roster of really impressive, uh, impressive names. Dawn Staley, Vivian Stringer. Uh, you got the Chuck D, McGrady, Penny Hardaway, Leonard Hamilton. Um, you know, how, what's the sort of game plan for using all these names to basically as, as leverage, as influence um, to break, crack, break through this glass ceiling that's in the entire sports industry? I think, Bill, when you look at the climate of what's going on in our country, I think for the first time in this whole racial tension and conversation that the ears are actually open. I think everyone's eyes were opened when they witnessed what happened to George Floyd. And we've had many shots that have been fired in our country from Emmett Till to Martin Luther King to the Rodney King beating. We never got the response that we got from the George Floyd murder. And the reason I believe this country got that response is because it was one, we were in a pandemic and more people were stationary. A lot of, a lot of what ha has happened in our country is that people have always been so busy that they've ignored the obvious. And I think racism has been an obvious problem in our country for a long time. But because the country was put on pause it actually humanized everyone. And it doesn't matter what race, creed, or color you were, when you sat and you watched on television what happened, it now made this a more acceptable conversation. And I'm not gonna call it a tough conversation because I don't think that racism has ever been a tough conversation. It only becomes tough by people who actually want it to stay that way. Right. But if you desire change and you realize your role within, you know, the change, that's how things change. Because no systemic problem has ever been solved from the same level of consciousness that, that, that started it or that caused it. And because we didn't start racism, it's up to the other people to actually help us change this. So when you look at our country, I think more than ever, the conversation is more acceptable. And at the end of the day, we can look around each and every sport. Sports is a capitalistic enterprise. Ask yourself this question. Why all of a sudden is kneeling in the NFL okay? Because if the NFL commissioner took the same stance that he took when Colin Kaepernick first took a knee, you know what? It will not be not one NFL game played this year. That's the power of the people. And the athletes have now realized 
that their voice is powerful. And I'll use this analogy. If you go see Beyonce and Jay-Z in a concert and you pay $3,000 for your ticket, now they're going to have some acts leading up to Beyonce and Jay-Z that will be called opening acts. But all of a sudden at 9.15, 9.30, when Jay-Z and Beyonce is supposed to come on stage, someone comes on the stage and they say, um, excuse me, you know, we've had a situation here. Jay-Z and Beyonce will not be performing tonight. I guarantee you every person sitting in that audience will want their money back. Because at the end of the day, they came to see Beyonce and Jay-Z. And what the African-American and black athlete need to realize is the power that they possess in this capitalistic enterprise called sports. Everybody get to see what happens on television. Let's just say, I'll take basketball in the Final Four, for example. Let's just say the Final Four. And let's just say all of the African-Americans in the Final Four had the information that Gary just gave you that, you know, $18 billion or whatever how much was spent and on the 20 vendors, and none of those vendors were African-American. And the players realize, wow, they're not giving our people not even a slice of this pie. You know what? We're not going to play. What would the NCAA do? Immediately, you know what they would say? Can we get on the phone with some black vendors so that we can solve this issue? That At the end of the day, there has to be accountability. And that's why statistics, data, and facts move people. The last example I'll use, and I'm going to go to Starbucks because I love Starbucks. When Starbucks came out and said that they were not going to allow their employees to wear Black Lives Matter to work, immediately there was an onslaught of people on social media I'm not going to Starbucks anymore. I don't know what the figure was, but Starbucks lost a undisclosed amount of money over the course of the next 48 hours. They had to close some stores. And just like that, there was a change of heart. Now their employees can wear Black Lives Matter. They can wear whatever. They can wear whatever. Our country is a capitalistic enterprise and people understand one language and it's Benjamin Franklin. And, and you know, and, and Bill, to finish up on that, we also know that legislation is what's going to move the needle. And this is why we have asked uh, Michael Housewell to be part of the group, why we've asked the Ben Crumps of the world to be part of the group. We also are represented by the largest minority-owned women firm in the country, uh, QPWB. It's done on purpose. Now, here's the other thing. We've had Zoom calls so far, and we actually brought in one of Joe Biden's campaign advisors, and they've talked to us a couple of times. Now, do you know why? Because when they came on that Zoom and they saw all those powerful coaches and people on there, and we were able to tell them we can mobilize these student athletes to come out and vote across the country. Well, that's huge. And that that just speaks on what, what Bo was saying. When we decide to come together as a group, we can move mountains. The difference right now is that we're not by ourselves. 
white people are awoke now. They've seen it. We're not asking for anything that everyone else shouldn't get. We're asking for fairness. And it's up to us to go out there and get it. So that's who we are. We're about making that happen. Let me ask you, um, are there, you know, what are the, what are the, the tangible goals that you, that, you would, that you see your organization taking from the outset? Are there some goals that, that you know, you mentioned, for instance, the, the voter registration, mobilizing young people to vote. You know, what are the tangible things that you, that you see getting started with? Good question, Jamal. Um, so as you mentioned, we have started a, a, a voter registration uh, initiative in which uh, the head coach at uh, Howard, Kenny Blakeney, he's in charge of that subcommittee. And we have purposely put in men, women coaches, and grassroots coaches as part of that. So that's one. Uh, James Jones, the head coach of Yale, and his group, they're responsible for the African American History Initiative. African American History is not just for us. It's American history. Why isn't that being taught across the country? We have to learn white history, Asian history, everything else history. Why don't you learn about us? This is part of the problem. They don't know us. So we believe that that should be a, a, a thing that should be taught across the country. The removal of the SAT and ACT. We, we have the data that backs it up that it is not indicative of, of how smart black people are. So we think that that should be removed. Okay, so that's another initiative that, you know, that we had. Uh, we had grassroots coaches go out to the shoe companies and ask if they could put the Black Lives Matter patches on their uniform. The, the shoe companies have agreed they're going to do that next year. Um, we, we, you know, we talked about the, the internship that, you know, we're talking about doing. And here's the other thing. Another one is the John Thompson rule. It's amazing that we just lost a major icon uh, because Dave Lato um, and Vimin Stringer were working on the John Thompson rule in which when the search committees are interviewing coaches, a black coach should be interviewed also. It's not like we don't have people. I don't want to hear that. If you tell us you don't have the, what black, well, here's the list. We'll give you a list. So, yeah, so we, we have some different things that we want to do. And Bo is, is, is in the middle of meeting with his baseball group in regards to the things that they, other things that they think we should do. And when I, what I'm impressed with Bo is I get on there and, and the, the Willie Randolphs, you know, the Andre Dawson and people like that, you know, people want to get involved because it's the right thing to do. That's where we at. And then uh, Gary, I want to, I want to add something to that, Jamal. We also, when, when you look at the bevy of experience that we have with our group in its entirety, yes, the mentorship programs and everything that we're going to do for at the grassroots level for the student athlete, but we also are going to invest in the development of those coaches that are, that are qualified. And I mean, I've said this to our group many times before. It's one thing to get them in the, in the room. It's another thing to prepare them for once they get into the room. So you have many coaches that are out there that are qualified to, to coach Major League Baseball or manage Major League Baseball or, you know, um, be a head coach in the NFL or in the NBA or any of the particular sports, whether it's the college or the college level as well. And we're going to do everything that we can from a program standpoint to make sure that we are preparing people, you know, for those opportunities once that door is open and they have a seat at the table, we want them to be ready to seize that opportunity. And Jamal, there are two other things that's extremely important. 
Uh, another one is the student athletes. We want to be able to provide them a voice. Okay, we want them to understand that they have a voice. So we're gonna be, you know, creating a student advisory board. Okay, so we could talk to them and so they we can understand exactly this some of the things that they're going through. We want people to hear their voice. Here's the the other thing, a gala. We're planning to do a gala every year, okay, to bring out the hidden figures, the people who don't get the credit in our black community, in every single sport, whether it's, it's gymnastic, track and field, tennis, everywhere. That's, that's a major goal that I've had for 10 years in that you have the SPO award, you have, you know, you know, different things. Well, you know what, what about us? I want people to be able to see us. So that's another thing that we plan to do is that a major gala once a year in which a Bill Roden and other people like that are gonna say, hey Gary, here's a person that deserves awards and we're gonna do a tally and figure it out and make sure that they get to be seen every single year. That's uh, been uh, Gary Charles, he's the CEO of uh, a new dynamic organization called the Advancement of Blacks in Sports, uh, ABIS. And um, you've been joined also with uh, Bo Porter, he's the Vice President of Baseball. Uh, before we let you guys go, um, you, you mentioned, Gary, I'm glad you did, the passing of John Thompson, of course, associated with the Black Coach Association and, and just a tremendous figure. Uh, could, could each of you just talk about, uh, tell us about your connection uh, to, coach, to Coach Thompson and what, what, he, uh, has meant, what he meant to you guys? Um, well, I'll go first. I was invited to uh, the Final Four by Sonny Vacal. It was the early 90s. I can't remember if it was 1990 or 1991. So um, I get out there, my first Final Four, and Sonny said he was going to be at the hotel. Now, if anyone of y'all have been at the Final Four, if you go to a coach's hotel, it's like amazing. Um, it's like a zoo in that lobby. Every single coach you can you know, want to meet, okay? So uh, eventually, Sonny comes downstairs, and uh, uh, but as I'm waiting, I see someone, and it's Coach Thompson. It's the biggest head I've ever seen. I mean, <laughs> he just like, my God, are you? Is that Coach Thompson? Because obviously, if you were a young black person at the time, you went all Coach Thompson just because of everything that he stood for and the thing that he was doing. And Sonny invited Coach Thompson and uh, George Ravelin. Um, um, to the table at the restaurant and we started talking and when you know he to me he was like E.F. Hutt when you spoke when he spoke you listen and he started talking about the plight of the black man and I'm just sitting here you know listening to him and he is telling me about how he don't give a F how people think about him he's going to continue to shout it out as loud as he could and I've always remembered that because like one of the things that he said, he said, listen, as long as I'm saying the right things, what are they gonna do? I'm not lying. And you know what? And I've tried to, to adapt you know, to that philosophy. And I will, I will start out by saying, when Georgetown won the national championship, I think it was 1984? Yes. Yep. As a young black boy growing up in Newark, New Jersey, and I played all three sports, and was all state in all three sports. I actually wanted to play basketball at co in college, and I wanted to play at Georgetown because 
when I looked on TV and I saw Coach Coach Thompson with David Wingate and Patrick Ewan and Reggie Williams, it was almost a dream of mine to play at Georgetown for just that very reason of seeing people that look like me doing something of that magnitude. And I'm going to go back to what Gary said. That's why it's so important for us to get black people into those positions to inspire young black kids to want to do great things. Going on to coach Thompson, when you look at the outpour of tweets and, and articles that was written about this man. It's, and I'm in DC. It's just, it's moving and it's powerful to see the impact he had on so many people. I'm going to, I'm going to use Allen Iverson as an example who, I mean, I know, I know AI, I know Alonzo Mourning and both of them are on record saying John Thompson saved their lives. That's what coaching is all about. Coaching is all about helping people reach their full potential. And I don't think there's many that has done that better than John Thompson. How many people would have even taken a chance on Allen Iverson? There are many people that just would have did like this. That's not my problem. But it tells you to the core of the man of exactly what he was, what he stood for, and why he has left the legacy in which he's left, and his legacy will live forever. Uh, somebody listens to this, they want to know more, they've been moved as we are, they want to know more about uh, ABIS, they want to know how to get in touch, how can they help, how can they uh, get involved, how can they get more information, how can they um, you know, contribute? Our website, our website is weareabis.org. Uh, on that website, you can, um, you know, sign up. You can uh, ask some questions on there. You know, if you want to get, get involved, you can donate uh, onto the site, okay? And uh, you can email us uh, as far as what you want to do, and we'll get in contact, you know, with you. Uh, we're looking for, you know, for members. But we're looking for people who are prepared to, you know, to uh, get some things done. And I and I and I'll add, repeat that again. We are we are abis.org. And the only thing I'll add to that is the organization itself, advancement of blacks in sports, but this is not just a black organization. We want allies, we want other races, we want people that believe in this mission to stand, you know, side by side with us in this movement because. We're not going to get to where we're trying to go without everybody putting their best foot forward. I know Gary has done a great job, and I want to I just say this and be on record as saying this. I commend Gary for, for being that leader that, that, we all, that we all needed because he brought to the forefront a lot of the things that a lot of us have probably had private conversations about and things that we've thought about, you know, just sitting you know, and on our own, just hoping and wishing that our country was better. But Gary put action to it. And his action has led to, to where we're at today. And I said this to our group on one of our calls, that this is not about anybody that's on this call today. This is about 50, 60 years from now, we'll look back and the people that will be 
you know, running ABIS at that point, they'll go, wow, what a great group of founders that started this organization and look at what we've been able to accomplish over the course of this 50, 60 years. This is about our children and their children so that they're not dealing with the same things. And I have to tell this story real quick because it, it just, it resonated with me. My son is 12 years old. And when we were watching the George Floyd, you know, news back home in Texas, my grandmother was on the phone, who's 85 years old, and she's on speakerphone. So my mom is there, my grandmother's on the phone, and my grandmother is talking about the riots, you know, in the 40s and the 30s and 40s during her time. And after that, my mom started talking about the riots in the 60s and 70s. After my mom finished, I started talking about the Rodney King riots in the 90s. So my son is sitting there. Now he's 12. He's very ex extremely intelligent. And my son turns to me. He said, Daddy, he said, well, Grand Grand is talking about, you know, riots in, you know, the 40s and the, in, in, the, in, in the 50s. Granda is talking about the riots in the 60s and the 70s. And then, you know, you're talking about there was riots in the, in the 90s. He's like, I mean, I mean, if I do my math, he said, that's over. And now we're dealing with the police killing George Floyd and people are rioting. That's almost 80 years. Why haven't somebody done anything about this? And I was speechless for a moment. And that hurt me to the core because here it is, I consider myself a leader. I consider myself someone who sets out to make things better. And my 12 year old son is sitting here saying, am I gonna have to talk to my kids about this 30 years from now? That's what I don't want. And I think when you look at ABIS and our mission, it is, we don't wanna be having this conversation Five years from now, we don't want to be having this conversation, let alone 30 years from now. Great. Man, that's great. Um, listen, I'd like to thank both of you. This is a great organization. Uh, Gary Charles, who founded the organization, the Advancement of Blacks in Sports, uh, uh, Bo Porter, VP of Baseball. Uh, this is a great organization uh, and really appreciate you guys coming on a day like this when we're mourning the, the, the passing of John Thompson, but you know, he would have been proud of this. He would have uh, uh, been all behind this. So I want to thank you guys, A, for uh, coming on, uh, coming on the show to talk about this, but more importantly, to launching it and uh, getting this thing started. Look forward to you guys coming back and uh, talking about the progress you're making. But this, this is a, it's a, it's a great day. I want to congratulate uh, each of you for, um, really just getting this thing off the ground. Well, thank you for having us. You know, really. Thank you. Really thank you, Bill. Thank you, thank Jamal. We appreciate Jamal, you guys having us. I'll remember it's Murphy and not Murray, okay? <laughs> appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> you got it. Thank you. No, th and thank you. Thank you for this organization. It's, it's, it's obviously much needed. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.